and that you love us and that you know us and mostly that you care for us. And Father, I know that you care about every single one of us in this room. Transitions of life. Some really fun, some really hard. But all, but all making us a little bit unsteady. And I pray, God, that you would help us, whether we're coming out of one, we're in one now, or anticipating one, that, God, you would give us something today from you from your throne room, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to speak into our lives, to help us know, like what we heard this morning, what we can not just know, but what we can do in order to bring glory to you and blessing to those around us. God, would you help us today? Would you speak to us today? May it be not just my words, but may it be your words that ring true in our hearts today. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everybody's got notes? Good. Okay. So we're going to talk about the cross at the crossroads. And of course, the pun or the play on words is intentional. And I tried to find a, a picture of an intersection that kind of looked like a cross a little bit. And you think about you're coming to, you're coming to places in your life where, you know, it's great to be a Christian, but what does that have to do, or how can that help us with our transition? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And to, and to the point, the main point is, we are actually going to look at Christ going to the cross, and how His, uh, how his transitions, and how He dealt with His transitions can help us with our transitions. Is that okay with everybody? Like, go Jesus. Somebody say, go Jesus. I mean, yeah, like, if he can do it, and he's, he's our example, it's like, somebody has done this before. And we're all facing, the, the whole nature of transitions, of course, is that they're tricky. How many know that uh, transitions can be really, really good? Somebody give me a good transition. Either one you're in, or one you know about, or your friends or family. Who, somebody got a good transition. What, a life transition, a big one. Getting married, how fun! How many know that's going to be a transition? How many know it's going to be different? Look at those two tracks. You got a single life and you got a married life. Those are so completely different. Oh my word, you thought you were just going to have nothing but fun. You were in for a ride. Yeah, another one. Retirement. Retirement. And is that good or bad? Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know, right? Um, yeah, retirement. Like some people work their whole life so that they can have what they need for retirement. And then they get to retirement. And they go, oh, wow. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. That's a major lifetime. That's a, talk about adjustments. Yes. Death of a parent. Death of a parent. We're going to talk about death. And death of a parent. Uh, everybody, anybody survived that or gone through that, going through that? Yes, 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 yes. Ooh, yeah. It's hard to get, you know, getting older isn't for wimps and all that, right? Right, because we're dealing with elderly parents who are passing. Yeah. Another one. Transitioning into an empty nest. Yes. I got to tell you, we are doing that one. Me and my wife. Oh my word, it's so great. <laughs> Why didn't we do this before? It is so great. Like, 
Well, ask me in three months, but right now it feels like every night I come home for dinner is like a date. It's so good. You just want to pull out the candles. And... Anyway, yes, another one. Yes. No, but death of a partner. I, uh, since, my, since my son's death this last year, it's been the hardest year of our life, but that, I have been drawn to people like that, to people who have lost spouses. I just, um, I oversee, one of my jobs is I oversee the seniors ministry, and I just love coming up to these seniors, and um, I just can relate differently now, I guess, than I could before. Yeah. Yeah, transitions. Good ones, bad ones. Yeah, nobody mentioned graduating from college, I don't think yet, so graduation. Uh, how about promotion? Promotion at work? Yeah, how many know it's going to be different now? Yeah, that new, that new thing on your door and new responsibilities. I mean, there's all kinds of, all kinds of major life transitions. And of course, they can be positive or negative, but the main point that I want, to, um, I want to suggest is that they're tricky. By very nature, you're not where you were and you're not where you're gonna be. So where are you? Midair. Yeah, you're, you're in, you're moving into something. So it's not about the old, it's not about the new, it's about this transition. And I'm not going to spend the whole time on this because there's another seminar dealing all about grief and how to go through grief. But I want to just touch on this because so many of the transitions, like moving away or losing a job or losing a spouse or losing a child, there's so many of our major life transitions that aren't fun. How many know that? Yeah, well, the rest of you, you're lying. But anyway, you'll get my humor after a while. Anyway, the point is we have to, we have to acknowledge that even if we've lost a job, there, there may be a grief process going on. Is that new for somebody? Here's typically, and again, I'm not a psychologist, but this is what I, I run people through that I'm coaching, uh, these five stages of grief. The first one is shock, denial, they also call it. That's like, oh my word, I can't even believe this is happening. I remember when we got the word that our son died, we were, we were numb. We, just, we couldn't even believe it for, I want to say days, but it was weeks. Like, this isn't even real. How could this be? We're going to wake up and go, wow, that was a nightmare. It's not even real. Anger. I can't believe this is happening. This makes me so mad. Sometimes even when somebody, our loved one dies, I've talked to uh, people who've had a spouse die and they find themselves mad and they can't understand why would I be mad? I mean, I loved him. I loved her. Why would I be mad? Well, it's because I'm holding the bag. They get to go to heaven, but look at what I have to do. It can make us angry. Guilt. That's the wish of woulda, coulda stage. Oh, if, I would only, if we would have caught that health thing earlier. I hear this a lot when it comes to cancers. If we would have caught that thing earlier, if we had done one more thing, or relational things, where somebody uh, disengages from us in our family, it's like, oh, if we would have paid more attention to that thing. You know, hindsight 2020, and, and, we, and the wish it could have, should have stage. 
and depression. A lot of people say, where's depression in the Bible? Like, I looked in my Bible, I didn't see the word depression. You're probably not going to see the word depression unless you have a really, really modern translation. <laughs> but, but if you go to the word hopeless, you will see it all over the place. The Psalms is full of it, for example. Job, Ecclesiastes, the, the hopeless, helpless feeling. That, that's, that's depression. That's where you feel like there's no way out and there's no use going on. That's, that's, that's part of this, uh, the grief cycle or the gr stages of grief. And then the uh, stages of acceptance. And it's not a kind of a glib acceptance like, hey, let's just be happy and move on. It's more like this. I've done a lot of funerals where I would say something like this because I felt like God gave this to me years ago. And that is this. You know, if, if that loved one could speak back to us from the grave, they would probably say while we're standing around the graveside, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your love, your support for me, for the family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But if we're still standing here six months later, they might say something different to us. That person might say back from the grave, you know what, actually, the best way you can honor who I was was to take the things that I deposited in your life, the things we shared, the things that were good, and make that a part of your story moving into the future. That's the stage of acceptance. Now, got real quiet in here all of a sudden. We're talking about the stages of grief, and I want to say whether it's loss of a job, or moving away, or losing a loved one, or, or even, even, I've even met with couples who have gotten married and are grieving their singleness. Yeah. So whatever it is, there can be a sense of loss or a sense of, of grief that has to be dealt with. We just can't pretend that everything's going to be wonderful. I remember when I moved to San Jose from the Northwest and I came down and we rented this, we rented this house, which we ended up buying. And I was in there and there was, they were going to re-carpet the thing because we were moving into this new house in San Jose. And I remember putting in ring shank nails, if you know what those are, the kind that makes your subfloor not squeak. And I was doing that. I was in there by myself pounding those ring shank nails in and I was weeping. I don't know why. I, was, I had a wonderful job I was coming to. But just the change, the transition, the just not knowing really how it was all going to go, whatever. And I was leaving behind a great, great group of people and a great ministry that I had been a part. Can I suggest that the grief process is given to us by God as a benefit? This will shake some of you up if you've not thought about it. We think that grief is just terrible, terrible, terrible from top to bottom. Can I suggest that God gave us the grief process like, write it down, shock absorbers. God gave us shock absorbers. How many know what shock absorbers are? Okay, I don't know about the rest of you. Okay, here's what shock absorbers are. 
They help you when you get in your car and go from A to B to not get all beat up by the time you get to B. They don't, they take, they, it's not like you don't feel any bumps, but they do smooth them out. If you don't have shock absorbers, you'll, you'll know it. And if you don't have shock absorbers on your life, you know it. Cataclysmic events of our life, big life transitions without shock absorbers is going to be really rough. And God in his grace, I believe, gave us the stages of grief like shock absorbers. Like, oh, this can't really be happening. Or, oh, I wish I would have got, or, hey, this, is, this, is, this, this makes me mad. And going through these process, everybody will tell you it's not that it's it's not that you're going through the process is a problem. The problem, the only problem is if you get stuck. And by the way, it's not always linear. Does everybody know that? Yeah, it can go like this through the stages of grief. Enough on that. Um, I just want to mention that though because. That's going to be important. And the reason why this is so tough is because we're used to something and now that something is gone or that something is different. It's, uh, it's our past. It's our, our normal, our, what we know. What we, by the way, have you read your Bible lately and seen that uh, all the biblical characters, you know, the ones we love, they all went through life transitions? Anybody confused about that? Moses? Any transitions there? Noah, any, any, any transition? David? Yeah, David went through a few. They're chasing around the wilderness for years. Yeah, all these transitions for all these great people that we know and love from Scripture had to go through life transitions. So it's a part, it's definitely a part of life. Um, our kids moving out, we've already mentioned that. Uh, I had a friend just a couple weeks ago who lost his job as a pastor. How many know that he's in a transition, whether he likes it or not? All of a sudden, not something he was looking for, but he is now in a life transition, and it's really, really, really hard. So what I want to focus on today is I want to look at Christ. That's why it's the cross at the crossroads, right? I want to look at Christ, and I want to look at his transition. How many know Christ had a transition? Everybody should be jumping up and down. The biggest and the baddest transition you ever heard of. Okay, where did he start? Did he start in the Bethlehem? Is that where the life of Christ started? No! It started in the throne room of heaven. I don't know what kind of transition you think you're going through, but imagine starting in the throne room of heaven. Okay, guys, here we go. We're going to go to something we've not done before. And he comes, gives up all his glory. You can read about it in these passages. I've got, this is not a Bible study, by the way, but you can read all about this, and many of you have. Read about all he gave up. There's whole theologies about how he gave everything up in order to come from heaven to earth. And he didn't come to heaven, from heaven's throne to an earthly throne. He goes from making the world and the opulence of, of owning and, and knowing and ruling all of it to just above the poverty line, to a stable. Huge, huge transition. How many know that we're not done with Christ's transition when we get to Bethlehem? Was that the end of it? No. 
he goes through this whole transition of uh, living his life and doing his ministry and working his way to the cross. How many know that we're not done with the transition yet at the cross? Oh, wait, he's got to die and go to hell and preach in hell. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a few more moves here. And, and I know I'm going fast and loose with scripture, so just hang on. <laughs> How many know that when he raises from the dead, he's not done yet? Oh, my goodness. Now we got to go all the way back to heaven and do that whole thing and the lamb and the throne and forever and elders falling on, you know. Oh, my word. Can I suggest that could help us? Isn't it kind of nice to know somebody's got this? Somebody's done at least as much transition as you and I are going through. So let's look at his path. So Christ uh, goes on uh, his path to the cross, and he is, he's going to help us. He's going to help us understand uh, a couple things. I'm going to give you three things. And just if you want to put notes in, this one is, I put this under willingness. When you see this slide just next to it, just put willingness or obedience. Christ was willing to do transition. Are you willing? Are you kicking and screaming into your transition? Are you willing to do it? He was obedient. And again, you know these famous verses. What's he doing in the garden of Gethsemane? Having a good time? Before the cross? No. He's sweating, drops of blood. He's saying, not my will, but yours be done. Submitting to the Father in his transition. Could I suggest that would be good for us to do? Look at the other thing. He came down from heaven to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus was on a mission. Can I suggest that's important for us to remember too? How many know you're on a mission? Oh, wow. Okay, we're in trouble. How many know you're on assignment? Oh, we could do a whole seminar on this. Every single one of us are on assignment. It includes a transition. But you're on assignment. You didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, what do I want to be when I grow up? That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is to check in with God and say, so God, what is it that you have for me? I, use, I help people go through four lenses if you want to write these down. The first is, what am I good at? What am I gifted? And what would other people say I'm gifted at? And what about my spiritual gifts? I have spiritual gifts that are coming out, I promise you, while I'm talking to you, and especially when I do the one-on-one -on -one coaching. They're spiritual gifts that God, there's, how has God wired you up for what he is asking you to do? You're on assignment. The second thing is, what are you passionate about? Might as well think about that in your transition. If God's giving you a promotion, so it's not just to, you know, get a bigger paycheck, like, what are you passionate about? What well, kind of gets you up in the morning? Sometimes I'll ask people, what would you do even if they didn't pay you? What do you keep drifting towards? What are your passions? The third is, what about destiny? The way God has orchestrated your life, your experience, your background, your family, your education, all the, where is that pointing? 
Where does that go? Where does that lead? And then finally, legacy is the fourth lens I take people through. What do you want to leave behind? The picture of the ski boat in the wake. I'm going to suggest that Christ's path helps direct my transition. Look at these passages. Let me just remind you of these. What did Joshua say at the end of his life? Choose you this day whom you will serve. There's a choice involved. Christ had a choice, and his example helps us to make our choice. That he chose God, how about we choose God? Joshua says, I know Israel is going to do their thing, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I suggest that's a good, that's a good mode to go into a transition with? Choose God. Embrace trouble. How many know that we got trouble? I know it's Friday, but yeah, we got trouble. Did Jesus promise us trouble? Yes. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. If you've been married three weeks, you know that. Um, <laughs> you will have trouble. If you've been alive three weeks, you know that. And he says, because he went through trouble, he can help us. He can help us with our willingness to embrace trouble. And thinking of others, Romans 12.10, of course, that's preferring one another in love. That's what Jesus did. He, can I suggest, if you're going through your transition, you've got to have that in mind. This is not, I know it's affecting me, but guess what your transition isn't? It isn't just about you. Ta-da! Somebody's day just got brighter. It's not just about you. There's something bigger going on. Am I right? Think through the transitions you've been in, are in, or will be in, and, and, it's, and we're not islands, and God is doing something bigger than any of us. And then fix your eyes upwards, Colossians uh, 3, 2. What does, that, what does that say? By the way, memorize Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If you haven't, just, go, just write it down. Just I will memorize. Talk about doing. I will memorize Colossians 3, 1 through 17. It starts out by saying, uh, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things, where? Above, not on earthly things. It's, the, it's that perspective that there's more than just me and earth and terra firma and got to get out and making it happen. It, there's something bigger going on. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, even while we're here on earth in the, because of the Holy Spirit. Have I said anything? I hope I haven't said anything new to anybody yet. I'm setting you up here, okay? These are things that we know. And God says, yeah, and that's a part of I got. I want you to know these because I want that to be a part of your transition. The second thing, so the first thing is willingness, right? Second thing is provision. I want this to be practical. Do you know that Christ provided some things on the cross? Look, it up, look up there. Look at all the things that, uh, that Christ provided. He, uh, well, I guess I just have to, I can't resist saying that the irony here 
is when Christ was in his transition going through to the cross, going through the cross, the irony is that the enemy thought he had won. I mean, seriously. If you could imagine the most insidious thing in God's creation, what would it be? Well, it might be the killing of God himself. That might be it. The most insidious thing you could imagine in the creation of God is the killing of God himself. Satan thought he got it. He thought he had it right there. And Jesus not only takes that arrow, not only takes the hit, but he says, I will take that and I will drive that as a stake in the ground and make that the hinge pin of salvation for all mankind. Oh my word! Somebody should be jumping up in their chair saying hallelujah. <laughs> he, took, he took Satan's best shot and he made that the thing that everybody has to come through in order to experience a relationship and eternal life with him. And look, he gave us redemption. He cleansed us from all sin. We're not been saved by ourselves as we heard this morning. It's not about all the stuff. All the religions and all paths lead to God. It's not all that. It's, it's what Christ did to come towards us. And sanctification. How many feel like uh, you're not perfect? Okay, we'll have a prayer line here for the rest of you. Yeah, it's like we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And God says, I know. It's like when we, when we remember the old illustration, when Christ comes into your life, and we invite him into the living room of our life, right? Like the nice parts of our house. Like if I invite any of you over to my house, guess where we're not going to start? In the closet. I'm going to invite you in the living room. When Christ comes in to our hearts and lives, he says, oh no, that's where I want to, that's, that's actually where I want to start. That's where I want to meet you. That's where I keep my junk. Yeah, I know. That's where, we get to, that's where we go first. He's committed to bringing us and preparing us for glory, the sanctification process. And of course, glorification. Um, that Romans 8.30, somebody needs to circle that if you're struggling with this. How many feel like sometimes it feels like God's withholding? You know, it can feel like that. Like, does God have your best interest in mind at all times? Or just on Sunday when your hands are in the air? Right? And so, I know you all look great and hip and cool, but I know you struggle with that. I do. Does God have my best interest in mind at all times? Romans 8.30 in the passage is talking about if God, who gave us His Son who gave us everything when he gave us his son, how will he not also freely give us all things? God is on your side. He's always got our best interests in mind. Everybody good on that? That's what God, Christ provided on the cross. Can I suggest that his provision helps me with my transition? God, and somebody needs to uh, uh, figure this out. I don't know what it is. I have a mental block about 2 Peter 1, 3. I mean, 2, 1, 3, right? 
So if you can remember that, that's going to be your life verse for somebody in here. And that's the verse that says, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Not 75%, 80%, 90%. You have, God's given you pretty much what you need. No, he's giving us everything we need for life and godliness. I feel a preach coming on. So the, all the resources are there. If I'm not feeling those resources, I need to somehow readjust. I need, it's not God that needs to adjust. I, where's my belief system? What's going on in me that I am feeling like this isn't working? How many know uh, the illustration about being overwhelmed with the dot in the circle? Anybody? I wish I had a thing. Oh, I do have a thing. So this is, this is, uh, oh, bummer. The good side's been used. Anyway, um, can this side be used? Yeah. Everybody see the little dot? Yeah. So when you come to a problem, this is what you feel like, right? And this is, that's, that's your size. And here's the, here's, here's the size, here's the size of your problem. Way bigger than you. How many know that's a, a definition for overwhelmed? Yeah, so here's the good news. God's, God didn't say, I'm going to make you bigger. I'm going to make your problem smaller. He says, yeah, I got the whole thing. Huh? Somebody just got blessed right there. Okay, God's got you. Not because he's going to sh- make you in a bubble and now you don't have any more problems. How many thought you were going to have no problems when you came to Christ? And it, it's not like that. It, and it's not like you're going to be supersized or God's going to make you a superhero. Now you can fly. or it, it's, That's not what, how you're going to solve this. It's that God's got you and your issue. That's good news. He's given us everything we need. Why? Because we have him. We could talk, I promise we could talk for an hour on this. I'll just say this much. Everything God is, his character qualities, theologians call them attributes, but don't worry about it. Those character qualities of God, every character quality is Think of it like 360 degrees in every direction at the same time. He isn't just loving, like loving, kind. That's not how it is. He's loving like an orb going in all directions at the same time to infinity. That's why we need more than 10 years in heaven. Are you guys awake? That's why we need more than 10 years. That's why we need infinity is because he's an infinite God. And we're gonna, it's going to take all infinity just to figure out who he is. Let alone work on our harp. Anyway, um, and he graciously gives us all things. So his endurance helps us. His endurance helps us with our endurance. That's the next thing. He endured so we can endure. He you know, you've heard the thing, no pain, no gain. Well, here, here we go. Did he experience some pain, by the way? Yeah. So Hebrews talks about, go back and read it. 
Hebrews talks about the fact that there was something in his mind, in his heart, that was driving him to endure. How many know you're going to have to endure in your transition? Even if, even if it's like giddy, even if it's amazing, like look what we get to do. It's, I promise there's going to be an endurance. How many know that when Moses met God at the burning bush, that was one of his biggest concerns? Yeah. You know, this is like, I'm not just going to show up and everybody's going to love me. No, they're not. They're probably not going to just love me. And that was one of his biggest concerns. How do we get through this? How, when people reject me, when things get hard, and of course it all played out, just like he said. The, church, the children of Israel were murmuring with what? Within what, three days? I mean, going out, I mean, it was hard, 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 and they had to endure. He said, for the joy set before him. What was Jesus thinking about? Wouldn't you love to know? What was, if that's true, what was he thinking about on the cross? How much he hurt? The pain of the nails? The burden of sin that he was carrying? And he came, became sin for us? All that was true. But the Bible says there was something else that caused him to continue to press into this and to press on with this transition. And that was he saw you and I with him forever. Like before you were born. This gets weird after, if I keep pressing, this will get weirder and weirder. Like you weren't even thought of, you know, twinkle in your father's eye and all that. Yeah, before all that, before the foundations of the world, he says, you and I, I want to be with you forever. Every single one of us in this room. If you don't believe that, don't, your problem is not with me. Your problem is with him. He said it, I didn't. Which is why he's exalted to the highest place. Why? Because he was willing to endure the lowest place. Read all about it in Philippians 2. That's that famous section where it says, And one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that great? That's Christ's endurance. So how does that help us? Well, that helps us because if Christ endured, we can endure. He's given us his spirit so that we can follow him. Don't try. How many, say, how many know that you're not supposed to try to live the Christian life on your own strength? Somebody say amen. Okay. So don't try it. Don't walk out here and pull your boots up or your belt up or, okay, I'm going to go for a run right now because I'm going to get in shape for this. If it kills me. That's not how we do the Christian life. We say, Holy Spirit, help me to do the next right thing. Somebody write that down. That's what we got to do. What's the, I'm going to do the next right thing. And we walk. And then he, that's where Romans 8, 28, that's kind of used as a universal catch-all verse. Act, what it actually means is to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, to those who are following Jesus, God will take the hard, even the hard things. Some of us are going through hard transitions this year. I am. 
Do you know that I get mad when I take my granddaughter to school? I got to take my granddaughter to school. I should just be jumping up and down, but I wasn't because of the reason I was taking her to school. That backyard that my son was designing, all the landscape, hardscape, all the stuff, it was gorgeous. And a lot of people thought, well, you know, wow, he died there. Um, is she going to move away? Is she going to? She said, I would love to stay here. And I'd love this backyard not to be a place of death, but to be a place of life. She did this GoFundMe thing, or the family did the GoFundMe thing, and that thing shot up over $100,000 just like that. People came from every direction that where her school, where she taught, they started throwing money at her. Stay, stay, stay. We wanna, we've never done this before. We want to do this. We want to love you well in this situation or whatever. And, and, and somehow she's able to stay in this house. They were able to finish all this stuff. It's gorgeous. It's like, you know, what are those magazines? Yeah, you know, yeah. garden, house and garden. Yeah, it's just this gorgeous place. And it is now a place of ministry. A year later, her church, she has every, every Tuesday night is come over for a, a pool and barbecue for the entire church. Anybody who wants to come. It's a place of life. She would have cussed you out if he would have told her that the day she, he died. Pardon my French. But look, what's, look how God's using that. It's just amazing. Staff meetings, church staff meetings over there, all kinds of stuff. And, and I've said this to a few of you in private, and, but I think I even mentioned in class yesterday, there's a, something that I think we've got to grab hold of as Christians as it relates to life, and particularly as it relates to transitions, and that is when we go through the pearly gates, the first thing we want to hear is well done. It doesn't make any sense for anybody to say, well done, unless there's been an assignment given. Oh, it turns out there has been an assignment given. We're all on assignment. I want you to go make disciples. I want you to go be salt and light. I so we have this assignment. And then the first thing God says to us when we pass through those pearly gates is, well done. That's the only way it makes any sense. That's what happens to Christ when he comes back from his transition. That's what happens to you and I when we come back, when we meet him face to face. And of course, as we close, there's, uh, there's benefits and consequences, right? The stakes are high. One means a successful transition and one means crashing. You can make the mountaintop, you can successfully come into that place that God has prepared for you to walk in or you end up down in the gully. You miss the jump. You miss that transition. You end up crashing on the rocks below. I had a sister-in-law. I'll end with this story. I had a sister-in-law um, and her husband. Had, he was a pastor up in a little town in Oregon. And uh, 
you know, they were just, they, they got married a little later and, uh, but they, when I say a little later, I mean, you know, 2930. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be a little later, but anyway. <laughs> they, uh, and when they were gonna have kids, they, they had their first, they got, she got pregnant, had her first uh, baby, um, stillborn. And carried the baby to term and had a funeral right there. That was really hard. And all the grieving and all that. They thought, what? That's just crazy. That must be a fluke. She gets pregnant again, and a year later, same thing happens. The baby lived for an hour and died. And. I remember her saying, Paul, I'm not going to pretend I'm a pastor's wife, but I'm not going to pretend this is easy. You know, and so they thought, well, maybe we'll adopt. How many know that's not easy? So they adopted two kids from birth and the two kids had all kinds of issues growing up. They were a terror. They had to be sent to one of these very structured private schools out of town. It was a Christian school that was really whatever. And it was a, it was a nightmare. So they couldn't have their own kids. That was a nightmare. And then even adopting these kids and trying to raise these kids and the nurture and admonition of the Lord and all that good stuff, it, that was a nightmare. At the school, this boy, the boy, he was all tatted up. He had tried everything you can try. But at this school, he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. He was radically saved. He is now a skateboarding director for YWAM over in Australia, leading DTSs and mission trips for these kids around the world. He takes one hour out of his busy day to go down and work at a skate shop. He has a Bible study with all these skaters. He is so encouraging. My wife and I, I promise, we've been Christians longer than he has. But he and his fiance did a video and they did this video about trusting God for their future. And the way they filmed it or had somebody film it was they, they stood on a cliff over water, holding hands and did a backward somersault together over down into that water off that cliff. And God used that to minister to me when I went through my job transition. My wife and I watched that video from YWAM that they had sent out, and we go, oh my word, this is what we need to do. We need to trust God like this. We need to depend on God to hold us up. We need God to work in us right now where we're all shaky and don't know 
where this is all going, how this is going to go. We need, this skater dude is teaching us. Can I suggest that God wants every single one of us in this world, in this room, to make our transitions, whatever they're going to be? He didn't bring us this far to drop us. Is that okay? Is that okay that God wants you to succeed? Is that okay that God wants you in those places where you're not quite settled to actually make that? Whether it's a relational thing, no matter what kind of transition it is, God is, God is for your success. Amen? Can I just close in prayer and just bless us? Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us through your word. God, thank you that it's practical. Probably the last thing most of us need is another sermon today. But we do need some tools. And you've given us some practical tools, some things we can do. We can be willing. We can say yes to you. We can keep going. We can endure. We can avail ourselves of the provision that you give us each and every day for whatever we're going through. Those are things we can actually do. And I pray that all of us would see you work in our lives in such a way that we end up hearing that well done, thou good and faithful servant. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.